Hi, and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and phil entrepreneurs of the regenerative movement, people who are committed to and showcase qualities of planetary leadership. My name is Julian Guderlei. I'm a transformational coach, a breathwork teacher, and committed to a world that allows people from all walks of life to thrive. I'm your host and creator of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, and in today's episode, I'm hosting an interview with Michael Linton. Michael lives on Vancouver Island in Canada. He has three children and more grandchildren. In his 20s, Michael was interested in physics, engineering, computers, business, and school teaching, and trained to become a teacher of the Alexander Technique in 1979. A few years later, in the early 80s, he found, discovered, and designed LET systems, LED systems, local exchange trading, and has since been active in community currencies for approaching 40 years. We'll be talking about money and community currency development. So with these words, welcome, Michael. Glad to be here, William. Really good. Yeah, I'm excited for this conversation. I know that, you know, we, I've had the topic of money in this, in this podcast a few times, um, recently portrayed seeds, currency, uh, all, all things time exchange, etc. And I think, you know, it's, it's a very deep rabbit hole. And you've been in this field for almost 40 years now. And uh, maybe maybe let's start a little bit at that journey in the beginning for you when you realized federal banking isn't going to really allow people to live in equality most likely ever and and you know different methodologies need to show up like where did that start for you back in the 70s and early 80s basically started in the late 60s i was in vancouver um really enjoying the situation and then began to see that the current model was a really disastrous thing. Uh, we were beginning to hear the first intimations of global warming. I'd been involved in the oil industry. Um, it looked bad. And I thought hard about this for three or four years. Went through business school, left business school, didn't fancy that. Uh, and couldn't see a way to sort anything out. Um, and basically, I found Alexander Technique as an ethical discipline and a legitimate way to make my living in life. Trained in it, moved to Canada, and was happily waiting for everything to just do what it did while I did what I did. And then in 1982, the Canadian bank rate went to 14%. That was interbank lending. So mortgages naturally were around 19 or 20 and this very rapidly killed um, all the business in my locality. It was a township region of about 50,000 people. And just nobody was able to spend any money on anything. And it was about that time that we didn't look for an answer to that, to the money. We looked to put bread on the table. So we did something very similar to a Craigslist because there was a computer in town. There was the first computer in reached town in 1982. It had eight inch floppy disks and it could have, those could hold 64 whole K. Imagine that. Wow. So, so we started a, a little Craigslist, basically run by a, a, a voice machine. I would phone in and say, hey, this is Michael. I've got you know, fence posts, so I, I need goat's milk or give me a haircut, somebody, you know, offers and requests, just like, you know, a classified list. And quickly realized that listing things didn't work. People needed to be able to carry between them. 
you know, I'll do something for you, but you do something for somebody else. The pay it forward sort of concept, um, move the gift. Uh, uh, you know, how do these actions become persistent and substantial? And we realized very quickly that that was what a local money would do. If we had our own local money that just moved from you to me, to him, to her, to back, to, you know, and it just moved around and we were all in this just little up and down closed loop of, it's just like a bank, but it isn't a bank. <laughs> in fact, there's nothing here except a set of data and our relationship to each other. Um, a little mm -hmm. record of the giving and getting that made our community thrive, made it alive functionally. Well, it was that stage I realized that all was not lost. <laughs> you know, we can, we can undo the problems that um, extractive capitalism and linear money and the corporate ethic and the me first and screw you ethic has um, dwelt upon us. Uh, we, we're suffering from an overdose of conventional money. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, we're, we're, we're addicted to it. Um, it has parasitically engaged us. Um, there's an economist called Michael Hudson who talks about the banking system as the perfect host. It mm. made itself useful and invaded us a little bit, a lot, a lot more. And gradually we find we're dependent on it and it is too big to fail. Mm -hmm. Now, all these things are uh, an affront to my sense of person, identity, uh, relationship responsibility that money th this stuff you know um, the, the usual the, the government legal tender the corporate banking money it's their money not ours and what we discovered with the first let system was just that if we undertake acknowledgement and a, a promissory quality that when you do something for me um, the goat's milk or the head haircut or whatever i say thank you julian uh, I, I acknowledge you $50, our dollars in our loop. I have become promising $50 of service, not money. This is not a debt in the banking system. Oh God, no, we don't go there. This is a, a promise to deliver to somebody, to, to pay it forward. In fact, we, we talk about pay it round. The problem with pay it forward is that things just tend to dissipate outwards and the, the um, main providers become so subject to a degree of erosion. Mm. If you have a simple and clear cut and probably transparent accounting system, although it can be entirely private too, then any group of people can form these networks of association. And I want to insist on the any in there. Um, not that all of them are useful. I mean, if, if you put uh, my grandmother with somebody else and some, you know, it wouldn't work, right? They're not just an arbitrary, put them together, hooray. No, it's if you provide um, a means for people to sort of surface and interact and account and be responsible for their interactions and their, then we have the basis for a human economy, uh, which we do not have at this point. What we have is already a machine economy and the machine is, conventional banking and extractive money, the, the classic linear money uh, problem that right. alienates uses us. the individual as yeah. part of the machine, right? So we, yeah. 
um, we call this modern day slavery, I guess, in, in, yeah. in some ways, that the, the nine to five rhythm that is almost required uh, of everyone to keep that, that system moving. And so in, in your experience set and, you know, having explored the topic of money over and over uh, already, where does it start to introduce a humane um, currency? And you spoke about not paying it forward, but paying it around. We've heard mm -hmm. of, you know, Amsterdam now announced that they're looking deeply into um, introducing a, a donut model economy into their, into their city's economy, right? To restart after COVID-19. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Where, where's the starting point? Where, where can this, you know, especially through COVID-19, I guess there's, there's a huge threat and opportunity coming towards yes. the global economy. Uh, yeah, that's exactly the, the, the point is where do you, where do you see a start in these issues? Because um, there was a famous economist, Minsky, Hyman Minsky, who said anybody can create money. The, that's the easy thing. The hard part is getting other people to take it. You know, it's, 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 it's one thing to have these dreams, these ideas, mm -hmm. these intentions. It's another thing to functionally put them into place. Now, what we have at this point is a situation where there are certain truths about the human situation, the economy, that are pretty universal. And I think the first one, and I'll put it as a question, is are you completely happy with money as it is? I'd say no. Yeah, that was pretty easy. And generally speaking, everybody's got a bit of a problem with money. The main one being, don't have it when I want it. I, I, I got it, you know, it's here. Hooray, love it. I spend it, I don't have it anymore. And the thing that really bothers me about this is that it goes away all the time and I've got no control and I'm struggling to get another. Now, that's like trying to swim with lead boots on. It's like you're constantly gra grasping for air. You're struggling to survive. Run on the hamster wheel. Now, if on the other hand, you, and that's the classic for an addiction. To make something addictive, you make it scarce and unreliable delivery. And I'm just not too sure if it's going to be there. So you get worried about it and so on. So, so money's classic in that. We are driven by this carrot and, and the stick of not having it. If you don't have the money, man, you're out. No, no ticket, no, no ride. And so it's, it's a, a driving cultural and deep psychological compulsion that's driven our society for hundreds of years. And it's not generous. What is heartfelt in those transactions with conventional money is me or you, buddy. The more I pay you, the less I got. The more I get from you, the more I have. It's you or me. No hard feelings, but, you know, got to look after number one. Mm -hmm. so yeah, in other words, people sometimes call this, well, it's just business, right? It's just business, nothing yeah, personal. Yeah. Well, imagine if you had a situation where our interactions were generous, free of the fear of losing something. Yeah. Oh God, I'm spending my last dollar or I can't afford to put my time into this. Nothing will come of it or something. Suppose you were not worried. Suppose the money that you transacted with people was cooperative rather than competitive. Mm -hmm. Just that. Oh, and that it came back when you spent it. So you, you've got this other dollar. That's a big one. That's a big one. I'm feeling it through my whole body. Cooperative well, rather than competitive. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, 
there's a, a really good line in Grapes of Wrath. There's a lot of really good lines in Grapes of Wrath. But uh, one of the guys is uh, being charged for a bucket of water or something. He says, geez, uh, you know, it's my last 10 cents. Uh, and the other guy says, well, I got to make a living. And I think it's Joe that says, well, I sure wish there was a way to make a living without taking it from somebody else. You know, and that's what our money system does. It forces us to take from each other. And if we have a money system that enables us to give to each other, to be contributors, you know, where, where the money is, is a function of consent and agreement and willingness rather than compulsion, control, ownership. Well, I'm, I'm convinced the world's capable of being in a different world and I'll drop this link to Jordan Hall in at this point because it is very fresh. I watched his latest video on YouTube. That's Jordan Hall, the YouTube channel. His latest video is, is one hour of an intense conversation that speaks to the transition of human societies. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, of more than the transition of societies. We talk of plant life, to animal life, to human life, to cognitive life, to what next? And of course, it has to be collective life, societal life, a life where our relationship and our interactions are contributive, additive, that we are biological in our process rather than anti-biological as our conventional money is at the moment. Absolutely, that's the, the big transition really is the paradigm shift from dissonance to resonance, right? So dissonance philosophy, dissonance science, dissonance practices. If that's banking, if that's pesticides, if that is um, splitting it out of to the resonance of living as nature with nature. So Michael, let's make that super pragmatic because I know when it comes to money, people, this is kind of the power of money, right? It's, it's people at the end of the day, look back at their wallet, at their bank account and say, well, I sure want to dream about a better state of money. But as long as I have to afford my rent, my food, um, my basic um, income or my basic spending, it's really hard to kind of lift up the heart and mind and look over there onto the, the shore of dreaming. So what are the pragmatic examples that you've been involved in that, that you can share uh, some insights and wisdom with? Uh, well, before I get to insights and wisdom, <laughs> it's, the, it's what we know. It's the noun of the situation. We, we live with, at the end of the day, I look in my wallet, what have I got? What is my stock, my asset base? You know, mm. What's my net personal worth as of 4.30 on Friday afternoon or whatever? You know? So what we do is we account for what we have. And that's our bookkeeping systems are all about balance of accounts and the, you know the, what about the flow what about the 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 movement the verb rather than the noun the breathing rather than the inhaled you know like it has to go both ways and you know it's a conceit to think that we breathe right we are breathed the world breathes us, you know, the, the, and our, our experience with life and money should have that same naturalness. And, uh, and it was a bit of a philosophical 
zone out. But I think that's very important, though, right? Like to set us up for the more pragmatic examples. I, I, I truly understand at this point, and I'm with you that that's the biggest gap to close or the biggest yeah. jump to make is the philosophical understanding and also the daring to ask and question when things like why are things the way they are because the paradigms in which they were birthed they don't even need to be evil or wrong they were just no, a different they understanding were then. That was then. Now. yeah <laughs> that was then and, and now is now and mm. in the now we're realizing that seven eight billion people can totally live in harmony on the planet but for that we we, we gotta evolve the way our systems the way our ways work and, and align them with you know the regenerative intelligence of nature so I think so, that is a very important philosophical context. And the other one is the bicycle. I mean, the bicycle, um, when the first bicycles came out, um, I, my grandfather was in um, India, actually, and he wanted a bicycle. And so the local blacksmith refused to build it. He said, that will fall over. He built him a tricycle. Mm -hmm. He could have a tricycle, but he was not going to build a bicycle. Because, you know, it's obvious they don't work. I mean, look at it. Now, on the other hand, a three-year-old child, nowadays two-year-old children are riding bikes because it's the, the thing you do. You, you, you get your ass in the saddle and you waddle along. And biking is like that. Uh, uh, Doug en Engelbart, the, the father of, mother of all, presentations. He made the mouse, incidentally. He was the guy who did the first screen tracking device. He used to teach his kids to ride a bicycle by putting them on the bike and saying, just move the handlebars. A real a standard bike, no turning wheels, no nothing. Sit on the bike, move the handlebars, and I will hold you up. That was important. I will hold you up while you move the handlebars. And if you keep moving the handlebars, I will move you forward and keep you upright. But you've got to keep moving the handlebars. Because if you don't move the handlebars, you will fall over. And he figured it would take between one and three minutes for a person to learn to ride a bike. When you focus on the, the right point of axis, right? Like yeah, the handlebars are your point of balance. Yeah, you It's know. your sway and your rhythm and your sensory relationship, which is beyond your cognitive thinking, please. Mm, mm, mm. Now, it's the same with money. We got into money playing, I don't know, Monopoly as kids, playing blackjack with matchsticks or you know, dimes or something. And we've all got this visceral experience of money in one way. The only way to acquire a visceral experience is to do it, either in play or in practice, in reality. So our strategy is about tapping into this basic situation that everybody wants money that would come back and that i'm talking not just you or i or our family or whatever but a business the thing that every business wants is money that comes back loyalty mm -hmm. businesses exist on loyalty they die without it so if you can give a business loyalty they love it if you could give a municipality a tax base that worked and if you want to know what a tax base that doesn't work looks like, take a look at where we are right now. With the feds pretending that the banks are just a sideline, but still you've got to pay back all these helicopter loans we dropped on you, which suddenly we could, after doing austerity for 40 years, mm. 
all of a sudden the bank suddenly found, oh, just a minute, no, we're not that austere at all, provided the clock is still ticking, the interest is still adding up, and you'll pay us back later. Well, that's not going to work, and it's not going to work for the local small businesses that can't do it. They borrowed some money, they've survived, they're supporting their staff, they're taking cuts all over the place, and now they're asked to pay back these loans. Why? Well, because we always do, you know? No other good reason. Well, our, our, our proposition is basically that communities can survive the helicopters if they start their own community currency systems and basically do it through small business. Small business issuing, um, uh, well, bills like this one, for instance, which is a, a, a charitable, I can't see what I'm doing. Yeah, that, that's it. It's a, a, a fiver for the fire department's social support, you know, burned out house, kittens up trees, that sort of thing. And uh, if you wanted to put five bucks to the fire department, you reach into the jar on the bar. We call it the jar on the bar. It's got this, and the jar is the fire department's money because it was donated to them by the pub. So there it is in the jar. You put in one of these, <laughs> and take out one of those. So the fire department now has five bucks in the jar. Real dollars, hooray. You've got five dollars that will buy you five dollars of beer or bread or whatever's in the network. But that sort of simple action of move the handlebars, sit in the saddle, move the thing around. We're confident that it will gradually become a strategic first step support your community with small-scale corporate donations in community money. It's like a rotary club auction, you know, the, the rotary mm -hmm. club auction where all the members of the club, they put up meals in their hotel or, um, you know, at the restaurant or car wash for a year or something like that, and then people bid on that. The cash goes to the beneficiaries, of course, that's great, but that's all that happens. And the businesses are out of pocket. Yeah. Now, if instead the businesses had put a thousand credits to the seniors home or the high school band or the whatever, you know, a portfolio of beneficiaries receive contributions in local money, soft money, no outlay cost, no damage to your inventory, you know, and that the businesses are accepting that money and it is important at the value added, not at total price. If I go to the, the pub and ask for a full beer with the fiver, then the pub would have a trouble because they've got costs. But if I buy 10 bucks of beer with these two, then this goes to costs and that goes around the loop. And we start a process where what we have in our community is mutuality recognition that we're all in the same place. Mm -hmm. There's a T.S. Eliot line about why are you in community? Is it to make money off each other? I think it's from the wasteland or something like that. And it, it's a damning indictment of what community has come to mean. Community has come to mean a market, you know, a market to be exploited. Uh, 
know, when Walmart came into our town, they put $30 million into the development and everybody was so excited. I, you know, I had to point out that if they put 30 million in, they want to take 5 million out every year. Hmm. And so that's become the prevailing standard. And we have a business community generally that aspires to support locality, but generally fails because they're using the wrong tool. It's like performing surgery with, you know, unsterile tools. You're not doing good. And the biggest problem we have at this point is that we're all using a, a, a contaminated money, a damaging money. Uh, uh, it used to be, I remember as a child, that they were saying, um, if you could press a button and some unnamed person in another part of the world was uh, just died, but you, you got a thousand quid, you know, but for one button, a thousand quid, somebody dies, but, and that was the moral ethical think about this. You don't have to think about it. We're doing it all the time. Hmm. Nowadays, how we spend money is killing people. It's killing ourselves. It's killing the environment we're living in, right? I mean, that, that direct line, even though a lot of us don't like to visualize that and have that in mind when we buy the convenient items no, or the, we don't the, want to visualize that. the new cell phone, but like we know that uh, there is extraction and extractive and exploitative, not just thinking, but doing behind it, which is oh, yeah. possibly what got us here and was okay to get us here. But really, the more conscious and aware well, we become, you we, think about we the, can't roll like this for, for much longer. Yeah. Limited liability corporations, for instance, mm -hmm. are um, uh, consent to be pirates, more or less, you know, at some level. And it was a necessary part of the development of the uh, industrial and uh, the technical age. But there comes a point where you realize this is a Faustian bargain and we've got the wrong end of it. We need to tidy this thing up and make it work a lot better. And it's definitely this level of if you if you're doing something right, then you're probably not doing something wrong. If I'm moving the handlebars, I'm not frozen at the wheel, right? So what we have to do is actually get into the practice of using community monies, local monies, begin to experience what they do when they work, to experience it. And initially, I think this will be through gaming. I think we'll play games to make this clear. I think people will have to find their way in through fantasy and imagination, conversation, playful. This is so interesting about having you on this, on this interview today, Michael, because there's two things that are interesting. One is you keep calling it step one, right? Step one is the local currency and the experience and the testing of it, which will ex allow people to have a visceral um, felt experience and memory of it. But then also the second piece that is apparent to me is you've been among many people in the world working on this for four decades. And <laughs> it might be frustrating to see that the power of the federal banking system hasn't necessarily gotten less, but it still is what spends trillions of dollars in the military spending. It still is what allows uh, governments to keep industries alive that are simply not benefiting the people. And through COVID-19, we've now seen one of the biggest wealth transfers in history from small businesses that had to pause or go out of business for two, three, four, five months to the monopolies of, you know, the Amazons and the Walmarts, mm -hmm. uh, et cetera. So step one is experiencing a form of local community currency, right? 
but how do you see this 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 big powerful kind of um, almost quotation marks a foreign entity of of the federal banking system that that seems all powerful too big to to conquer as you said earlier I, I think it, it it's too big to conquer to um upset there will be no fall of the bastille in this operation you know this is not a revolutionary event mm -hmm. and in fact it's my belief that the banking system is in more trouble than it believes and understands um and they may be able to persuade themselves they have exit strategies but i haven't noticed them yet mm. um, i'm grappling in my mind for a book by um, jeff booth he's a vancouver um, businessman developer who's got a very interesting book out about the conflict between um, the government's insistence that banking and corporates and the price of tomorrow the price of tomorrow brilliant book brilliant stuff and he points out that we've got an inflationary drive by the governments and bankers but there's a deflationary drive in the functional economy that is we are now able to produce a hell of a lot more and more cheaply so your money buys you a hell of a lot more and these two things are diverging and there isn't a middle ground. The middle ground is where the banks are in real trouble. Uh, Short-term short service of long-term obligations. They can't. So they keep making up new derivatives and praying that we'll buy them, which we do. Well, I think you can freeze the banking. And this is my picture on it, is that basically you don't try and decouple the experience of wealth, the urgency, the the desperation that the wealthy have to stay that way. Let them. But let's get on with our game in the interstices, a sort of a rise above the mayhem. You know, suppose a string comes by with a rope and you put your foot in the ladder and you're lifting up, right? And so suppose we, we just, oof, better up here. This network works. We're still using the roads, the hospitals, we're paying our taxis, we're doing this and the other. It's just that we're doing things in a way which is mutually supportive and effective. Now, for me, this is about the circularity of money and the ease of introduction. And that's where I think the credit unions um, are the, the edge of the issue. And by edge, I mean the cutting edge, the opportunity to make a huge difference. You know, like if you have a cooperative bakery, you don't expect them to be serving bad bread. That's not cooperative. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not just they have an internal profit sharing or system or whatever. It's just they should be cooperative with the world, right? Now, the cooperative banking system hardly exists because it's peddling the same drugs that the mainstream banking is, as they have to. It's the only way into the market is to mm -hmm. replicate and do it nicer. So Van City, for instance, is doing it nicer than Royal Bank. Yes, but are they doing anything really different? No, we're still getting the same lousy bread, the same lousy money. Now, since the credit unions and indeed the banks could provide us with all the facilities of essentially our money, perhaps starting with time banks, enabling time banks to propagate all through the community. 
providing the identification services is all they have. I log in to my bank account, this is me. There's a button, go to the time bank, I'm in. But not just the time bank. Could be a hundred different currencies could be accessible through the credit unions. Local business networks, um, uh, mutual investment groups. How do we come together to build a, another park, another swimming pool, another school? Because we used to, you see, we used to build schools by coming together, churches and communities. Now we wait for a return of the federal funding. Hmm. Send us the money. Very interesting. So some people might go to the point to say, okay, so maybe in a local community, if I live there year round, this is a step forward. But what about our globalized economy that simply exists? So if I travel from Hong Kong to Vancouver or from Vancouver to Sao Paulo, how how will you know the need of the dollar the the need of the currency that is local in each space how will we transcend you know that that kind of inter well for a start you'd be going to a place that had it mm -hmm. you see that's the point you 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 can't um you can't practice tango in a place where there's no tango going on right mm -hmm. so, if, yeah, you yeah, yeah. so if you wanted to go from hong kong to san paulo and you were worried about, well, as I've built up my reputation acquisition nouns or verbs in, in um, uh, where were you? Were you Hong Kong, was it? We had you in Hong Kong, I can't remember. You're somewhere. Hong Kong, Vancouver, Sao Paulo, you, you pick, yeah. So in home base, you've built it's reputation. Example. You've yeah. been in the, the systems for years. You've got good standing. You've yes. transacted maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars. Maybe your business has done millions of dollars. Of, mm. of transactions in this. How does that relate to San Paulo? Well, if San Paulo doesn't know about community currencies, it doesn't relate at all. <laughs> no, yeah. you can't take this stuff over there <laughs> because there, there isn't a there for you to take it to. On the other hand, if San Paulo is already doing this sort of thing, mm -hmm. then your reputation will travel with you. And indeed, you can probably transact your asset um, balances in certain of your Hong Kong currencies into other Latin American currencies because mm -hmm. there are plenty of people in Latin America who want to go to Hong Kong. Mm. Have you heard of the remittance business? Hmm? International transfer between you know uh, workers in uh, first world sending money back to the third, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, city workers sending money back up to the hills. It only costs you 15% in Kenya. Yeah, nice. Well, suppose we had remittance systems that were operating on the same basis as the localized community currencies. That could cut a huge hole in uh, some of the exploitative and damaging consequences of our current system. Mm -hmm. and, and certainly um, accommodate the traveler from one good place to another place. But you've got to remember that what you were doing in Hong Kong was actually being in Hong Kong. Right, right, right. And that bit stays in Hong Kong in a way. Like you, you can't take that with you. What you can take with you is that you've learned how to ride this bicycle and now you're riding the bicycle in Brazil. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's very interesting to look at the, you know, But the let me continue that cycles. one a little, little bit further. Yeah. To say that, if every airline in the business is carrying community currencies, 
and they will, then a hell of a lot of the concern about, well, what do I do with what I've got here when I go there, disappears, plus the propagation process. Now, when I said any business can use this stuff to benefit, I mean any business. Even Jeff Bezos could do this. Mm. Not that I'm interested or want him to, but we must not be surprised when there is an Amazon money offered into this network, as there will be a Facebook money, as there will be Google money, as there mm. will be every damn business. Now, the difference is if they issue singularly for their singular loyalty, they'll get a singular finger. People mm. will not be impressed. Mm-hmm. If they issue in common for common support, very different. So the question is, can we make corporations into civilized civilized living beings rather than uncivilized zombies? Because mm-hmm. at the moment, a, a corporation is nothing but a mindless, heartless, soulless, placeless zombie. I mean, Apple exists where? In Dublin, my friends, it all exists in Dublin. That's why we pay no taxes. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Well, I'd rather have these guys. Um, w- w- it would be great if an employee of a company could say, I am proud to work for my company. Right. As opposed to most because people are embarrassed. The social system. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because they know they're doing good as an organization, it's, which they know right now they're not. Mm. So, uh, so I just want to expand that business because you were talking about well, a little local. No, it's, it's a good it, it's a good example, and you know your passion is so appreciated, and the the tenacity, the the conviction that comes with it too, the the understanding that this is really a, an extremely important topic to um, create truly regenerative systems. And so my question for you here, Michael, is, you know, how do you how did you first understand that this is purpose for you and like maybe you can start with how you define purpose you know that that you were just like no matter what this is my topic i have to dedicate my life force energy to this well what just popped into mind is do no harm mm-hmm. i mean it's 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 a big issue okay now how will this impact upon my trajectory of my life that's a big deal but right now i i know that Every time I'm using this stuff, I'm just pushing the hands the wheels around. I'm just doing it. Now, I can't blame you, me, or enemy for this because this is the only game in town. But suppose I can shift that so that, yes, we're still using cash for imported goods, for taxation, clearance, for visa costs, for, hmm. but what you did for me in baking that pizza, placing it on the table, and, that was your service. Mm. That, and if we are in this mutuality of service, it's, it's just, do no harm. I won't screw you if you don't screw me. Mm. Now, you fixed my car. You had to lay out so much on parts. I see you, you ripped your jacket doing it. And so whatever, you know, if there were costs, I, sh- I pass the cost over. I don't want to, debil- to diminish your cash for my benefit. And I don't want you to diminish my cash for yours. Those are basically unfriendly acts that we do all the time in the current mm-hmm. world. <laughs> so if instead I can pay you in a money that says, thank you, <laughs> and um, 
it places an obligation on me, my obligation, not an actionable, I'm going to sue you in the courts sort of thing, because it, it doesn't work that way. It works because, because people find that fulfilling is productive, productive of all sorts of things, not just the benefit for the person you serve, but the huge benefit of experiencing service. Yeah, that's fascinating. Michael, for the end of this episode today, you know, for everyone who listened all the way to, to the end here with us, who is like, you know, deeply feeling and getting this idea of transitioning money, what would be maybe one or two examples in the world that you can point at where you like, look at, look deeper into those examples because they already work. They're already real. That's where community currencies or time exchange currencies, et cetera, are already fully practiced and connected to the old system none none <laughs> it's it's like the wright brothers when the wright brothers finally got off the ground it took a long time for people to accept or believe or see it because there was a huge experience of failure mm. and it's the same thing with community currencies there's been in my view nothing but um, misdirection um, mis operate nothing's worked that we've tried hard and deliberately to do uh, including all my own initiatives they've, they've always got stuck on too much thinking organizational stuff whatever never mind the details the point is the only one that i would point at as being real happened 34 50 years ago 50 years ago in ireland there was a strike in the banks and the different banks couldn't reconcile all the checks between them so they had to close which was a real problem in um, a cash society where people had to go to the bank draw the money go out and pay their grocery bills and whatever so it was a big problem that the irish had no banks except the irish transcended the problem by writing checks to each other because if you couldn't put it in the bank there's no problem is it so for uh, a few months they just wrote checks to each other and endorsed them, wrote them, added them up. It was complicated. It was messy. It was risky. The strike broke and then restarted and ran for nine months. And during that period, everything worked because the major employers, instead of paying you 147 quid, they paid you 20 pounds in five checks of 20. So that's 100. And they paid you four checks of 10. That's 10, that's 40, and they gave you seven quid. Now, all these checks had the name of the brewer on it as the promissory agent. The brewers were issuing the money that ran the Irish economy for a year. Mm, wow. And it was the best year in the Irish economy in the 70s. Lower fraud, lower bankruptcy, and everybody had a party because <laughs> they moved the money. And where did they move it? Well, towards the pubs. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. because there was an acceptor of last resort that everybody was confident in, and we played it out. Now, that, in my ex experience, is the best example of a self-organizing, natural response that used the facilities available to make the world work. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's all we got to do. We have all the tools. We just have to see that connecting them in this way will work, whereas it won't work unless we connect them in the right way. So 
Thank you so much for your time, Michael. Thank you so much for this example for, you know, walking with us through the complex topic of money and uh, local exchange networks and, and all of this. Uh, I'm going to make sure to link out so we can find more info to your work. Um, is there any closing remark that you'd like to share? Thank you. I think this is, this is a very good service that you are creating in the world. I'm very impressed with uh, your professionalism and performance. This is great. Thank you very much. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And here we are again. This is your host, Julian. I hope you truly enjoyed this episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast and received some insights and knowledge for your life, relationships, and business. If you love Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, make sure to subscribe, leave a review that really allows this podcast to reach a broader audience and share it with a friend. Let me also remind you that this podcast is currently entirely self-funded. I'm a transformational coach and mentor, a breathwork guide, and want to offer all my listeners a full 10% off my private coaching work. That is as much as $500 for a three-month program, and this discount applies for all one-on-one coaching offers, as well as some select coaching groups that I host in person. If you're curious and interested, make sure to visit the website greenplanet-blueplanet.com and click Work with Julian. Let me tell you a little bit more about my planetary purpose and leadership programs. I am committed to accelerating our human tribe, going deep into unconditioning the blocking beliefs and blind spots, enabling your gifts and clarity to amplify for aligned business, healthy relationships, and overall presence with life. I have worked with hundreds of people across the world, either one-on-one in small coaching groups online or in-person at events. It is my gift to boost authentic confidence and guide you while asking the deepest questions that get you to address your dormant potential. I am an activator and catalyst for those who are ready to step into the highest version of themselves. We live in unique times and let me tell you from experience, having a coach makes a massive difference. I specialize on supporting successful entrepreneurs in unpacking their purpose and joy of life. I do work with startup entrepreneurs and artists as well and on request, I host individual breathwork mentorships. If you want to learn more, how to support the show or suggest a guest, you can also simply send me an email. If you want to take advantage of the offer I just mentioned and claim the 10% discount, simply book a free consultation with me through my website that is greenplanet-blueplanet.com mentorships and mention the end of episode discount and I'll give the discount code to you right here, right now. It's 808. That's right. That's your code right here, right now, 808. Mention it to me in our free consultation that you can book by the website and 10% are yours. That being said, thank you so much for listening today. Have yourself an amazing day. Don't forget to hit subscribe, review the show, and share it with a friend. Mm -hmm.